Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to The Brian Diaries, where the Bold crew gets together to talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing games outside of our actual plays. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, where you'll find our Discord link. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Brian Diaries with our new segment, Brian Storming. In it, we'll be flexing our creative muscles to put together stories, modules, adventure paths, and inspiration for different games, but with a twist, which we'll get into in a little bit. I'm Becca, your host for Brian Storming, and I want to thank Yoreen for joining us today as our storyteller. Hi. Hey there. So, Yoreen, can you explain some of your storytelling experience for us? Yeah, yeah, I can. Uh, hmm, where do I start? So, I got into RPGs in college, which is the other traditional way. If you're not into it in high school, you get into it in college, it seems. And I didn't understand a thing. I didn't understand anything. We we tra- we played D and D. I don't even know the system. Like I don't even know what version we played. But we didn't have the book, and we wanted to do something, so we just made it up. And then we oh started playing. Yeah, it's hilarious. I love that. Yeah, we called it D and D on crack, and I'm definitely <laughs> going to share this with them. Saying like, ah, D and D on crack made it on on the internet. There were no rules because we didn't have a rule book. And then after that, we it was a weekend away. After that weekend away, uh, one of us got into the books and yeah, basically didn't explain at all how to do it, and just expected us to understand the numbers on the sheets. Ooh, that's... Yeah. Yeah. You need a little bit yeah. more explanation for D&D. <laughs> a little bit more, a lot more. I didn't understand what I was doing. So I put it away. I was annoyed by it. I didn't understand and nobody explained. And then I got together with my current partner and he was very... He had a weekly D&D game. So I got nice. to listen in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I got to sit there and listen in and be quiet on the, on the side. But that, that made me see that it was something that I could understand and that I could do. So when that eventually ended, he got me into World of Darkness, which... Dang. Yeah. World of Darkness core. And we okay. played a whole zombie campaign in that. So, wow. sorry, when you say core, do you mean uh, like essentially the blue the blue book where yeah. it's humans? The blue okay. book. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we just used the blue bo- book. Uh, no extra skins, no vampire, no werewolf, no changeling, just humans. And excellent. Yes, it was. It should. I. I want to do that more, and I have. I have thoughts for that, but that's for a different time. Because humans are very soft and squishy. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, but they're also smart, and they can also do a bunch of weird, quirky things. And I understood that system because it used one die, and just the numbers on your sheet is you just count the numbers together, and that's the amount of dice that you roll. That's yeah. it. It's so it, simple. It's, it's very nice with World of Darkness. Um, yeah. I, I kind of have a similar understanding, like going from a D20 system to a D10 system. Like, I'm like yeah. oh, this makes so much more sense in some ways. Yeah. And later I learned D100 systems. I was like, oh, this has an equal amount of sense to it. I just roll under or over. That's it. But I soon found out that I felt 
the push to 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 GM. I, I felt responsible in a way because you always hear these stories about the forever GM, and I never wanted right. my GM to feel like the forever GM. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I felt bad if that was the case, so I set up my own. I'm, I'm wondering. No, I did D and D first because we. I I started listening to podcasts, which okay. is also how I got to Twin Cities by Night. Nice. Uh, yeah, my first one was a D and D podcast, and I I started listening to that, and I was also excited about that. And then I started pushing Renee into uh, my partner into playing D and D. Like, hey, this is fun. Please run D and D fifth. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the first D and D system I actually understood is fifth. Fifth edition. Good stuff and, there. Yeah. And I had a lot of friends that said, yeah, I, I do like what you're telling me is fun, but eh, it's weird. It's too much math. I don't understand. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to run beginner D&D sessions as a beginner D- GM who doesn't even... I, I never read the entire rule book. Yeah. I still haven't. I have a part Semantics. of it. It's all my own. Um, <laughs> but it's. It, I, I started doing that. And then I, I also ran my own World of Darkness event adventure at some point. I started working in a board game store, which really kickstarted my GMing because... Yeah. Yeah. So before I had run a World of Darkness adventure and I'd run two D&D beginner campaigns, but the the board game store wanted to actively organize D&D introduction sessions because there were people asking for, hey, can I can I find a group... That, yeah, that's beginner friendly. So, so quick, quick sidebar. Um, yeah, do you guys have Adventure League? Yes, we do. Okay, and I have opinions. <laughs> I also have. Opinions. So, the Adventure League, for those who don't know D anD D, is a super cool idea where if you play fully according to the rules in the system you can basically transfer your your character if i'm here in the netherlands and i want to visit becca i can join the local adventure group there because we use the rules as written as much as written as possible and even stricter than that right yeah as i said i have a lot of my own rules and I have a lot of <laughs> my own interpretation. So that doesn't work with that. Yeah. And I, I found the few times that I've done Adventure League, it's it's nice in theory, but depending on w- how the place does it, like you could be missing out on story because you were 15 minutes late and now you can't get into the table. And there's a lot of continuity issues that I find with it. But overall, like it sounds like such a great idea. So yeah, I think it's a cool idea if you know you're going to be traveling and staying in a place for a while and then you need to travel on and then you stay there for a while. And then it's a really cool plan. And if I definitely have played with people at my table, at my beginner's table that said, well, but isn't there a rule for this? Isn't there a rule for this? Isn't there a rule for this? And yes, there usually is. And I'm going to rule differently because I don't want to spend time reading the book right now. Um, Right. Especially during play. Yeah. I have also had games where I have an assigned rules lawyer that just say, hey, I know you know the rules better than me. Please 
every time I don't know a rule, please help me out. Dude, that's the best, especially if you know people who like, they just love doing the rules, like make them yeah. be your rules lawyer. And then you could just focus on the story and yeah, it works. Yeah, I have a couple friends that that have a tendency to backseat GM. Give them something to do. <laughs> exactly. Got to keep them busy. Got to keep them busy. Exactly. So from one thing, one thing really spiraled into another GMing wise, but mostly also player wise. And yeah, a lot of things was mostly, I want to play this game. I want to understand this game better. The way to understand, the way I understand a game best is to have a reason to dive into the rules. A reason to dive into the rules is to GM a game. Absolutely. You and I, like, we think along those lines very similarly. Like, I don't, I hate reading rules just to read rules, but I'll do it if I'm, I need to know something. Yeah. So, and that actually also got me into indie RPGs because indie RPGs have less rules to read on average. They, the books are less thick. The one page RPGs are amazing. You have one page to read. You can do that 10 minutes in advance. Yeah. And also, I the, another thing that I really liked about one page RPGs is the amount of space there is for role play because there is no rule for it. You just make up the rules. You just say yes and this is happening. So that's it's you have multiple ways of GMing. You have no the rules say this, yes, but it has this consequence and you have yes and this will also happen. And I try to use yes and and yes but like a consequence uh, as much as possible. Absolutely. Lots of strong roots in improv is how I see yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the bear game also showed that, that I'm, I'm an improv GM. Yeah. Well, so speaking about indie games, that's actually one of the systems that we're going to be looking at today. So Yorin, what brought your eye, what drew your eye to Visigoths versus Malgoths? And can you tell us a little bit about that system? Yes, definitely. So the first thing that draw, drew me into Visigoths versus Malgoths was the Kickstarter. The Kickstarter portrayed it as a game with many bisexuals. And as a bisexual myself, I felt seen. I felt, oh my God, this is such a queer RPG system and it deals with queers and it deals with transgenders and it deals with everything that I like about that community. It also deals with goths. Oh my God, this is me. I love goths. <laughs> Which is so funny because I think of you as just like being a little rainbow, ball of rainbow. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but I also really love goths and and goth culture and uh, and all of that. So there's there's multiple sides to me. So that's what first drew me into it. And then I didn't manage to back to Kickstarter. But it, it, I found out that I could order it via Becker Kit, and I did, and I read it, and just pun after pun in the book, and in, like there's a lot of store. This this game is set in a mall, and there's a lot of stores in the mall, and all the mall store names have punny names, uh, which we might get into later. But yeah, so that's what got me super excited to play this thing and to share all of these very bad jokes that are in this book. So Visigoths and Morgoths, it's a 
well, it's a tabletop game, but it's also a bit of a dating sim because you're going to tuck on each other's heartstrings a lot. One of the ways you do that is that there is, for instance, no damage except for emotional damage. There is no physical damage. There's only emotional pain. Right. Right. I thought that was very interesting when I was reading through that as well. So the the setting is, as I said, a mole. It is a two-story mole. It is included in the in the game itself because certain names and certain places come back. So you can I, you, your character can move through the mole, and your GM it was a mole rat. A mole rat knows everything about the mole. They control the mole from behind the scenes. Well, it's called Visigoths versus Morgoths. So you have two teams. You have either Visigoths or Morgoths, and you choose to be one of them, which means that if you have a group of four, you will always have two Morgoths and two Visigoths. And they they both want to rule the mole, because if you rule the mole, you rule the world. It is the first step to world (laughs) domination. Absolutely. Well, and and so Visigoths in this is, gosh, I'm forgetting, they're they're a group of people that was pulled from Roman times and like somehow like teleported to 1996, I think is when this setting takes place. And it's it's the Molgoths that essentially summoned them. Yeah, there was one Molgoth that was very much into ritualistic summonings and they just opened a portal to Roman times and with a Ouija board evoked an entire community of Visigoths to 1996. And there you are. These Visigoths are stuck here. They try to make a living here and they try not to kick all the Molgoths in the butt for what they did to them. While still taking over the mall completely. Yeah, because the the, the, the goal of the Visigoths is to eventually rule all of LA. And you start small, you start with the mall, and then from there they want to rule LA eventually. Yeah. And I imagine eventually the world, but you know, st- maybe start small. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have the setting. We have you the the GM, notice the mall rat, and then you have the two players groups. Now, now that's just very unusual. I've never played a game where you're both simultaneously playing with other players in a both competitive but also working together setting. Yes. It's a, it's something I've never seen before and it is the core of this system to propose a problem to both groups. Uh, both groups have a different view on the problem and both groups usually want to resolve this problem. Although sometimes there is a couple pre-written games in the back just prompts basically and if you look at that then yes they both want the same thing but often one of them is the cause of the problem and your friends at the table you 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 really want to have a good time this game is about having a good time and flirting as much as possible and about not fighting, but still sort of fighting among each other. And sometimes you need to go against the will of your group to get to your personal goal. And how far are you willing to go along with a group over your own individual well-being, basically? Right. The The importance is the drama of it all, as well as making out with everybody. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, making out with everybody. There is multiple rules. One of the rules which I like is yes, you may well you may make out of with everyone, but ask if the player is okay with you making out with their character first. Right. Consent's always a big a big deal. Consent and and safety is a big deal in in this game because the, you're gonna tuck at each other's heartstrings and heartstrings are sensitive. <laughs> Absolutely. The the only emotional damage that should be happening is in game. It shouldn't be happening in reality. Exactly. So do you wanna go into the rules a little bit? Do you wanna talk more about the the setting and some of the NPCs? Just... We are we're working we're a little bit in a story heavy thing and the rules it's it's really simple. You basically play a day in the mall, which means there is time slots. You're going to spend, you have early morning, late morning, early afternoon, late afternoon, early evening, late evening. And then the mall closes and you have to wait for the next morning before you can play again. So there is a clock that advances and everybody gets a scene per per time of the day. The If it's not the time for your or if your group is not playing at that moment you of course will be texting like crazy and messaging people like crazy so you pass around notes saying hey i want to do this i want to do that there the mechanics behind it are super simple the only thing you need is 2d6 and your character sheet is roughly pre-made there's a couple things that you can fill in later you can fill in your name, you can fill in your orientation, you can fill in yeah, your name, your pronouns, what is your orientation, how would you describe your style. There's a couple of basic skills that are in that are unique for each and every character. Uh, they also all have a unique power. There are six of them in total, and you get to change one of the skills to make it a plus three instead of a plus two. So how the game is going to roll to work is you roll your dice, your 2d6, that's all, and you're going to add the number of the skill. You're going to try and beat a... What's that called? You're, you're trying to beat a certain number. So depending on how well you roll, you fail or succeed. And usually this is a roll-off. So if if, for instance, Becca and me, if you and I are two characters that are in a fight, we roll 2d6 and the highest one wins. However, there is no win winning in this game because if you hurt somebody's feelings, you always hurt yourself as well. Gotcha. Here you go. Yeah. Yeah. So you can also heal yourself. You can heal one hurt per scene by talking about it. And specifically about talking about it with someone on your team. Yes, Exactly. Only someone of your team can help you. Uh, also, you cannot move without you, outside of your team. So if your group wants to go to somewhere, you will go along because that's how group dynamics work. Right. And so talking about those time slots and the the mall itself, when you're moving around you you go to a specific store and that takes up a time slot because it takes time for you to do what whatever it is that you're doing in those specific stores. Yes, exactly. Um, so that's how the time clock advances. Yeah. yeah, and sometimes you can decide that both of the teams are in the store together. Like 
I've had a game where the Molgoths were constantly stalking the Visigoths, which was great because we just had a lot of time in one store of confrontation after confrontation. They kept on hurting themselves and each other. Eventually, you need to sit down and heal because you're not going to, to succeed for much longer because you do get penalties if you are hurt. Because emotional damage has that effect on people. It does. And I actually, I want to bring light to one of the the moves that you can do in this. It, the embarrassing traits where you yes. can go out of your way. It's, it's essentially like a help action for somebody else. You do something embarrassing to make somebody else look good. Theoretically yes. on your own team, right? Yes. Okay. So if if you want to do something, I can fall flat on my face so that everybody is distracted. I am super embarrassed because I just fell flat on my face, but nobody saw that you stole something from the register. Yeah, that's how that works. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then one, one thing that I thought was interesting about the map specifically, there's essentially, as you're playing this game, no outside the mall. So if you go out the east doors, you'll wrap around and come in through the west doors. Now, I don't, it sounds like that there's a, can be an advantage to using that, but I, because I had never played, I don't know what that is. I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it can definitely be an advantage if if you are in so this this game has a lot of confrontation among the teams. So if I am a goth and I see a bunch of Visigoths in between me and the store on the other end of the mall, I can just walk the other way and still end up at the store on the other end of the mall without the the Visigoths seeing me for instance. So yeah, it does have its advantages. You can also play scenes in the hallways. Um, so there's stores and there's hallways, of course. And if you play scenes in the hallways, they don't advance the time. They are basically free RPG time. Okay. Okay. And that's those those texting moments that we were talking about earlier, or you can still use all the same moves if you're just yeah. out in those areas. Yeah, um, you can. Okay. As the mall rat, for instance, do you ever push players to to advance the time like what mm. what if they just want to hang out in those areas all the time oh there's a mechanic for that there is actually a escalation table and if you if you have players that like to hang out in the passageway a bunch you can roll on the passageway table it's 1d6 and they can they can encounter people in the hallway that will bother them like a Girl Scout that tried to collect signatures on a pledge to say drug-free. Or they can, you can encounter the mole boss, who is a secret NPC. Or you can encounter a whole entire team uh, of a guy's fo beach volleyball team. So how you're, you can discuss time or you can discuss things in these passageways but if your mole rat thinks you're taking too long and you're stalling for time there's consequences you will be interrupted maybe it's a celebrity that pops up you don't know and of course there is a passageway list in in the rule book itself but it's set up in a way where you can easily swap out one of these. If you have a better idea, you don't have to roll on the passageway. You can just plug it in. Gotcha. I, and that makes sense. Then theoretically, if that's all they're doing and you you throw in 
a problem at them, does that then advance the time? No, but they do have to deal with it and it will, they do have to deal with it and it will hopefully push them to do other things and be more proactive in the stores as well. But that's, I think, also part of talking to your table about expectations and feeling the freedom to say at some point, hey, guys... You're you're taking a lot of time in these passageways. Do you still want to go to a store or shall we just say we're going to do something else? It does this game does require you to communicate a lot about that kind of stuff. It also requires your players to have a lot of input. Hell there is an entire store that's which is my my favorite store in the whole in the whole mall. It's it's called the the totally random. And your players will design the store, will design how, what it looks like. There is a a table where you can roll for what it sells, but it will your your players will be responsible to say this is what it looks like on the outside. This is what it looks like on the inside. And this is why we like it, for instance. Gotcha. Okay. There's much more player input than with some of the more traditional systems around. Well, and do you want to go into the shops real quick? Because aside from the totally random, it looks like all the shops are going to be the same every time that you play. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, we can definitely go over them real quick. There there are a bunch of stores, so we are going I'm going to try and summarize them real quick, but the main function that the stores have is places to meet and places to interact with NPCs. Like the store owners are NPCs that are well described both in who are their friends as well as hey what are they interested do they have a relationship etc some of these shops are goth associated and some of these stores are visigoth associated and some of the stores you don't know what association you have they have so they may be neutral but the mole rat can decide no they're not neutral today they're going to be more goth associated or more visigoth associated so most of the time, the name tells you a little bit about what it does. So for instance, there's a feta worse than death, which is a cheese store. Of course, of course. Of course. <laughs> and like every store, a feta worse than cheese has special items. Like, And I'm not going to list them for every store, but I, I love cheese. So I like this one a lot. Medusa's Gorgonzola, which has a plus one to stun when eaten and the eater is turned to stone for one time slot. You get two you get two uses per hunk. So you can buy a hunk of Gorgonzola and then stun somebody. And that um, so that would be something that you would use against the other team. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so most of these most of the special items that can be found in the stores will help your character. Yeah. So then there is Ace of Mace, which is a weapons store unassociated with anything a feta worse than cheese is associated with the goths at the wolf secret is a, is a take on victoria's secret it's a lingerie store and associated with the physicals um, ooh la la ooh la la yeah 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 you gotta get that bone and sinew bra or the bone and sinew cock piece which i know certain characters <laughs> would very much like among the oh. twin cities by night uh, cast <laughs> 
No comment. No comment on who. But yes, there is Bears, which is run, which is in all honesty one of my favorite stores. It's like Claire's, but it's run by two. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's a take on Claire's, and it's run by Gaybar and Gaydar, and they are two. I don't like among the gay community. There is certain types of people, and one of these types is a bear. And a bear is usually broad-shouldered, wroth. So bears is a take on that. It's a combination of a bear plus Claire's. Yeah, there, I mean, there you go. There you go. Oh, there that's you great. go. It's, it's as simple as that. It's it's mostly kitschy man's jewelry in this case. Then there is Big Disc Energy. Big Disc Energy is the record store, not associated with anyone. There is Brick and Mortal, which is associated with the goths. Brick and Mortal is a zombie-themed hardware store. There is the Darkade, also associated with the Goths, which is an arcade with filled with lava lamps and, and black light. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. There's Dracula Video, which is... Yeah, it's 1996, so video stores were still a thing. That's right. I keep forgetting about that 1996 part. Yes. Yeah, you like, gotta, oh you gotta still go to the video rental to get your latest copy of everything. Dracula Video is also associated with the Goths. There's Floppy Joe's Cyber Chili, which is the another take of the 90s. It's a dial-up internet cafe. Oh my gosh. Sentiment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Bringing back memories there. <laughs> I would, for the record, I was born in 1994. I don't have many of these memories, but some of these I do. <laughs> Unfortunately, Internet Cafe is not one of them. Next store is the Gerbil Essences, uh, which is a hair salon, but it also works for pets. You can take your pet there, but you can also get your own haircut there. I Hey, two birds, one stone, right? I know, right? It's, it, it's all shampoo. And I'm going to offend so many hairdressers now. It's only shampoo in the end. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't actually mean that. I'm, I swear, I am very particular about my hair care. The next store is Hill Satin. Which, of course, again, is goth-associated, mo-goth-associated. It's, it's, it's your bed store. It's, it's where you buy bed-associated oh, makes that makes sense. All I could think of was the pun and being like, yeah, we're going to make jokes now about this. Nope. Drink cold brew and hail satin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to be a sleeping podcast now. Yeah. <laughs> Then there is the Hyper Girl Roller Ring. It's the one store that I want to explain how certain words are spelled. Hyper is spelled exactly as you like as you think it will be. Girl is spelled G-R-R-R-L. So girl, girl, which is the roller ring. So you can roller derby each other if you really want to, or just That's, roller skate on nice music. I, I I think Craig was the one who's mentioned wanting to play a, a roller derby character at some point. So the, that would be the store for him. Yes, that would be the place. It's a place where also it's, it's fun to meet up there just because you can role play how you roller skate and how that influences your interaction maybe you are much faster than the person you're talking to maybe it gets awkward and you decide to be much slower there's a lot of things you can do with that 
And that is actually true for all the stores. You can interact with the store goods. You can interact with the store owners. Maybe there's other people in the store just visiting, etc. So the next store is a Visigoth-associated store, which is Lemon Theodosius, which is... There, there used to be a store called Orange Julius, which, of course, was not okay with the Visigoths. So they, oh, they took it over. Yeah, yeah. yeah they took it nice. over and named it Lemon Theodosius. Then there is Play Goal, which is the sporting goods store, which is not associated to anyone or at least unknown. So when I say unassociated, it's mostly that you don't know where their loyalty lies. But yeah. you, is that something you could discover through play? Yeah, you can. And it ju- it okay. means that it mostly means that the Molgoth can decide. I, for instance, the next door is St. Sebastian's Catholic Gifts, which is run by Benedict. And one of my car- my players started heavily flirting with Benedict. And that just led to Benedict being more goth, Molgoth associated than Visigoth associated. Gotcha. Okay, so it's something that even the players can uh, affect throughout play yeah depending on your mole or your depending on your mole red yes so the saint sebastian's catholic gifts is a place where you can buy candles and crosses and everything you would need in a church that's not a church there's also a confession booth oh oh. hey Mm -hmm. (laughs) nobody really knows what's going on in there because nobody has ever seen the priest come or go it's called yeah I was going to say, there's an actual priest. I thought people would just use it as a place to make out. Maybe. It, it, you can do the special activity of confess to the invisible priest. Because oh. nobody knows if there's actually one there. Okay. Okay. Ooh, and then that could lead to some interesting eavesdropping or... Okay, okay. I'm seeing, like, as we're going through the stores, like, just the little different interactions you can do to up the drama level on stuff yes yeah that's that's really what they are made for the i think yeah that's the last one other than totally random the last store is a visigoth loyal store which is tiny jotun's adventures which is a how do you say that it is a horse track in the middle of the store. It's also on the second floor. I always wonder how they got the horses there. But it's basically a sort of petting zoo where you can ride around oh on my gosh. the horses. <laughs> That's great. And you may think, when are you ever going to use horses? Uh, horses come up more than you would expect. I Given Visigoths, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's instead of like a bumper car thing. You you have this with the with the ah, I like it. <laughs> don't don't bump your horses, but yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's I a also, good idea. There is a little note on this page that I really like, which is this mole can't afford security guards. Come to think of it, some of the potted plants, uh, the po- some of the potted palm trees are starting to look a little dry. There is not many other people than the people that run the stores. 
or at least there is as many people other than the people that run the stores that you want there to be. So yeah, that is that is basically the stores. And then there is a list of store clerks and their relationships that go from, hey, I'm an ex, this person is an ex of the store owner of that store, to this person is the best friends with this person, or these two are in an active relationship. There is a couple characters that are not dateable. It's not many of them, but it's mostly characters that are canonically much older because supposedly you are playing teenagers and gotcha yeah you don't it tries not to it tries to actively promote flirting but if you have a character that's canonically 40 or up that becomes a little bit yikes for most people yeah. um, if your table is okay with it you can of course ignore that i don't because i don't like it as much but it does tell you the book actively tells you more than once if there is a rule that you don't like just ignore it yeah absolutely all right that's essentially the game in a nutshell like this book isn't isn't very long. I read it probably not like super in depth by any means, but I read it in about a half an hour. And I feel like by the time I got to the adventure episodes at the end of the book, I had a decent understanding of what you're supposed to do with this game. And I, and I can tell you what, this would be the perfect game for girls night where we're just drinking and having fun. Yes, definitely. I have other options for that, but this one is definitely on the list. That's good. We'll, we'll have to talk about that at a, at a later point. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm sure we will. All right. So we have a pretty decent understanding of Visigoths versus Molgoths. <laughs> I'm still cracking up at the idea of this game existing. And you guys know the drill by now. Our prompt is a local organization is accused of instigating arguments among people, seemingly natural disasters, and even wars. Now what we're going to do is see how we can fit that prompt into Visigoths versus Molgoths. There, there are examples already in the back of the book for just adventure episodes that you can do, but it sounds like you can just create your own. And given that the the nature of this game is you have two teams kind of pitted against each other, like I feel that it already naturally fits that prompt right away without us like trying to shoehorn too much. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I felt. I was looking, I wanted to do this thing with you and I was looking for something in my repertoire that fitted and I saw Visigoths versus Mogoths, like yes. This definitely has two camps that are pitted against each other. I do think that it is... So I tried to challenge myself a bit because for me, it became very obvious to make the Visigoths the main problem, to make the Visigoths the persons that actively wanted to start the wars, start hurting people, of course, all emotionally in this case, and that that would be the local organization to be accused of that. And I like to challenge myself a lot. So I said, no, that for me feels like the obvious one. We're going to make it the Morgoths that are being accused of this. They are the ones that summoned the Visigoths on accident. Now they have been here for a couple of years and they're done with it. And that's, I think 
how I would start this adventure path. The the way an adventure path is built up over here is usually you go and interact with the teams individually. So you ask a couple questions to the Visigoths and you ask a couple questions to the Molgoths. So for instance, a question could be to the Visigoths, what is something that has happened to you recently that makes you think the Molgoths really don't like you being here anymore. The Molgoths, you could ask roughly the same question, but turn it around. What is something you've seen yourself or another Molgoth do that is very actively trying to push out the Visigoths from the mole? Okay, so so we could go into it with literally just asking the players essentially what kind of scenario that they want to run like have that basic idea of okay we know that the Molgoths are going to be doing something to instigate getting rid of the uh, Visigoths but those details we could figure out with the players themselves yeah definitely I always see it as the player characters not having the main role in their individual teams, there's usually, especially with groups that are this big and that have this much influence, if you have a group of two or three players, which three players per team is the maximum this play this game is suitable for, a group of goths is usually bigger than three, which means that maybe there is a leader of the goths and that they together with their closest associates are the ones that try to instigate this is your goth for this is your goth against this and then you can go from there okay well then going going with what we've set up knowing that the mall goths are going to be instigating this i'm just trying to think how we the two of us could just build off of that and kind of take a back and forth with it is that what you were thinking yeah a little bit But I think we can try and figure out ways in which the rest of the mole would behave to this and the rest of the team, like the the shadow sides of these teams, the teams that are not the player characters, how they would interact with this. Because that, that is the pushing factor in the background, basically. Okay, so I, now I'm just trying to think of like, oh, there's shadow elements to this too? Because I did not pick up on that at all. No, well, it's it's not written out as such, but you know that certain store owners are associated with one group or the other, which means that right. there is a whole organization behind it. There is a whole Molgoth organization within the mole, as well as outside of the mole, that can send messages to each other. The, a lot of the other adventure episodes, for instance, start with a text message from okay. one of the Molgoths to the rest or, or yeah that kind of stuff you can all incorporate and I think you can even say okay there is the owners of these moles uh, or f- these stores especially the ones that are unaligned or un- unknown loyalty you can try and actively persuade them to to follow your cause okay okay I, I like that because it's it's forcing us to think a little bit more about using it as a, in a way to provide foils for the for both sides. Yeah. Um, that's something that I as a GM can struggle with sometimes because it's so easy to just fall into what the players are doing, but then kind of forgetting that background stuff is happening. So Which I think in this case would be fine 
uh, it's okay to ignore the main plot if you want to follow your mouth and just kiss more than one person. That's a choice. That's a choice you can make, and that's fine. But in the background, the plot will the plot will still advance, and there will be consequences to that. So right. the girl that you may be snogging in the back, who is a Molgoth, and you are a Visigoth, may not be that great because you won't be able to enter the mall the next day. Okay. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's actually a good point. What would be the, the end result of like, if the Visigoths weren't able to stop the Molgoths, they just wouldn't come back, be able to come back to the mall anymore or just the next day or week or what? I think it's a gradual process. You can definitely make it a one shot where you try and figure out what the hell is going on or you try and you try and actively stop it and you say in the beginning hey Morgoth you may not be totally with with your leadership and, and in this moment and then you can slowly but surely let the Morgoths take over the entire mall so for instance they can try and claim saint sebastian's and they can try and claim big disc energy and i think bears for instance would stay neutral because they are too very much grown-up man, much older than the characters that you're playing. So they're not going to pick sides, maybe. But maybe you even manage to persuade somebody that is originally Visigoth-aligned and switch them out and try and persuade them to be Molgoth-aligned. And it's very interesting to see what the consequences of those actions would be, because that could lead into all kinds of things. It could be that all of a sudden they are not as open to Visigoths or all of a sudden they want to keep Visigoths actively out of the store. Which would then make it so those players wouldn't be able to interact with those items or have drama there. I mean, there might still be drama there because if if they have to fight to be kicked out, I could see that being an action that people can do. Yeah, and then and then if you go with those optional mall clerk relationships rules, what happens in one store can have a domino effect with all the other stores. It's it's sounding like it's just about finding the natural progression with all of this. Yeah, I think so. And maybe there's even a third faction which is the store owners. Oh my gosh. They don't and, actually want this at all. Like, as in, do, doesn't want them fighting at all? Yeah, or just done with this whole affiliation stuff. They're fine with certain people being more affiliated to one or the other, but now it is actively harming the rest of the mole to have these two groups here. Ooh, and then if they're hanging out in the general areas, something, if you're going to go with a, a another force that's in putting their will on the mall. There could be security guards now. And if they're hanging out too long in those areas, you can have a security guard come by and maybe they'll be a little bit more harsh to the to the group that is more dominant. So you could use it as a way to help level the playing field. Um, because it sounds like, to me, the goal that we're kind of going with right now is the Mogos are trying to get all the loyalty of all the stores. And that's how they would win the scenario. Yeah. But that is that is something that I would want to discuss with the player characters beforehand, because again, you may 
be associated with the Mogoths and the Mogoths may have this goal, but you personally may be best friends with somebody that is a Visigoth. There's nothing that's uh, telling you not to be. Right, exactly. Um, And so you can have that Again, that's the the drama aspect of it is, okay, well, the Mogoths in general want to control them all, but my character really, really loves the Visigoth. And so I don't want them to be kicked out. I want them to stay. So kind of going against the group, which would be interesting because you have to like, all the Malgoths visit the same store, but you could be like texting on the side and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. Like, make sure to come here or go do this or, you know, be, being that little spy and causing that drama. Exactly. And I think that's something we glossed over real quick with the characters. But during character creation, you make sure you have a starting relationship with almost every goth at the table. So you do have a weird crush on someone and you do have a person that may I I have the witch in front of me so one of the prompts there is my crush on blank which me out because of blank or I will never forgive blank for lying me to me about blank and you can fill that in as openly as you want but so you, you do have active relationships with the other characters at the table so there is an active risk if they are of the opposing side that does actively hurt you as a player. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So, and especially with all those extra ties that you have and, and how you deal with those people and interact with them, I can I can really see this particular this particular prompt being a long term one if if you want to and just being like, okay, so we play for six hours, all of this happens, and then next week we kind of pick up where we left off because it's the next day at the mall or something or the next Saturday. I think that's how I like thinking about it is like all of this is happening just one day a week where you where you go to the mall on Saturday and you spend all day Saturday there. But it could easily just be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday as well. So that's what I have in my mind is that it would be with that prompt, it would be a more long-term game until you come to the conclusion that both sides would be happy with. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of like the idea of just having it, they hang there mostly on Saturdays because you can be there all of Saturday or it is the summer break. So they have a very set amount of time before summer break is over and it either has to be done or it isn't done. And it also gives you time to, in between sessions, have conversations with both teams and say okay this is going on this is what you achieved last time this is what well basically upper management of your team really wants to do what do you think Uh, would you do that what are messages that you send so you can even extend the role playing a little bit outside of the table Absolutely. And I liked what you said that a way a way to be there uh, to say that there is a natural conclusion to it is you only have the summer to do it because, you know, for instance, maybe you have to go back to school. So you you have a set amount of time in order to accomplish this goal of either stopping the Mongoss or the Mongoss continuing until they win. But then once you reach that point, it's like, 
Meh. It is what it is. And then you you can start into a new game after that. Or something else that occurred to me is that even though this overarching story is going on, you could still throw in those adventures, for instance, to just kind of be like, okay, here's something a little bit different. Yeah, definitely. One of the adventures is, for instance, one of the goth kids is kidnapped by the Visigoths. You can easily easily implement that tech the the underlying reason is there is a dance and they want to make sure that the Visigoths have a better time at the dance because it's a dance that for the dj is mogoth and it's in hyper girl ring and it's it's valentine's day as well so there's a bunch of things coming together but you could definitely take that and make it about this takeover of the mall Absolutely. And and the idea of even having planned events ahead of time, especially if you're doing a time-sensitive game, because that could also factor into to all sorts of things if you have those events. Like there's that dance that's going on and whoever is most successful in accomplishing their goal with that can affect affiliations with people in the store. So that like, the more I think about it, it's like the, the more that you could add to it if you want to. And I'm seeing that that's part of the fun with this, with this is it's very open to everybody participating as a storyteller in a way. Yeah, definitely. It, it, it heavily leans on input from the players which is something that I always really, really like. Because I know among Twin Cities by Night, but also among my friends, there's everybody can be an, a GM, but some people just don't know it or don't feel comfortable in their own improv skills. And this, once again, is a way to really train those improv skills and to think outside of the box, because your input is important. Absolutely. And, and bringing back that, you talked earlier about the yes and or the yes but. So always trying to encourage those thoughts with with players who might not be as comfortable asserting themselves in games. And, you know, like that's that's really, really good and nice for new players who, like I was that way. I had a hard time asserting myself when I first started playing games and like it, it causes a weird, weird effect. But to have a game that really encourages it can be good to grow and learn as a player. Yeah, not just that. It also helps you grow as a GM. My first long-term game that I GM'd never finished because I had a plan basically set in stone from A to Z. And then my player characters also had backstories. And I forgot that there had to be space for that. This game prevents that from happening. This game doesn't allow for you not to incorporate the relationships, etc., of your players. Right. And I'm seeing that, like, as we've been talking about it, uh, this has been a lot less structured than some of my some of the more structured games like Tillman's Eclipse phase like he had bullet points for boom 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 and same with Craig it's like this is happens this happens this happens but you can't really plan for that with this because of how reliant it is on everybody giving input so i feel like in some ways we've been very chaotic with how we're talking about about it but that's just the nature of the game yeah i think so too and people that know me can definitely attest that 
a little bit more chaotic also suits me better than a very structured game in which I have to get my players from bullet point to bullet point because I will be focusing too hard on the bullet points and not letting them the freedom to explore around them. So now that we've talked about it and gotten into not only the system, but also just like how you as a mall rat would kind of approach it, I'm all sitting here going like, okay, so when are we going to play this? Because <laughs> I want to play, I want to, I want to think through what kind of story we could tell, but it would have to be, it would have to be, we'd have to play it. And I like that idea. You've gotten me very excited about, about it now and I want to play. <laughs> Good. I like that. I'm definitely, I'm not 100% sure yet if I will be running this prompt, but I will be running either this prompt or one of the adventure prompts, adventure episodes in the back of the book, just to get it out there. It's, it deserves more exposure, basically. Yeah, yeah. It, and I can understand that because when you first brought it up to me, I was like, ooh, I don't know. This isn't really like for me personally, I didn't think I'd be super interested in it. But I, I as a storyteller, really care more about the the relationships and how people interact with each other. So so the fact that it's Visigoths versus Ma Rats, like that's just the set dressing. And once I got that in my mind, it's like, okay, well then, yeah, I could totally play into that because that's not necessarily the focus. It's just the theme of what's going on. You did say physical versus mole rats. Oops, <laughs> mole goths. It's because the storytellers, the mole rats, and yes, oh, what it is. <laughs> yes, no, it's one of the. I like story heavy games. So mechanic light, story heavy. I want to explore what does your character feel? How are they dressed? And why do they? Why does their dress make them feel this way? I like that part of stories. I like that part as a player. I like that part as a GM. I don't like combat. Usually it's something I zone out on. I play. I still play a lot of Pathfinder and a lot of D&D, but I zone out as soon as combat starts because I have to wait for my turn to at some point happen. This doesn't have that mechanic. Right. Um, other this than is story-driven. Yeah, Absolutely. this is story-driven. Absolutely. So, Yorin, if our listeners have gotten through this and they're like, yes, this sounds really interesting. Where do they find Malgoths versus Visigoths? Yeah, the best way to find it is on itch.io, I believe. Uh, that's one of the places where a lot of indie game creators like shout out to the creator of this, Lucian Khan, find themselves and collect themselves and publish their stuff. And you can buy it there. I believe you can still buy it via Becker Kit. If you were one of the lucky many people that donated to the bundle, the hum no, not the Humble Bundle, the itch.io bundle early last year uh, that was against racism, that bundle also included Physicos versus Malgoths. So yeah, it, you can... Find it on itch.io. You can find it in the bundle. You can find. I think that that's the main places where you can find it. Okay, and, and basically we'll Google it or find Lucian Khan on uh, Twitter because he also he, you can also find it via his Twitter page. Awesome, uh, and we'll make sure to put some links down below too to help you guys out. But yeah, Google's always always a good way to go. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's Brian Storming, where we talked about 
Visigoths versus Molgoth. We really hope that you enjoy and that you take some time to look into the system, as well as maybe even looking into some of the other indie systems out there and expanding because there's more tabletop role-play games outside of World of Darkness and D&D. Thank you so much, Yorin, for coming and introducing me to this game that I'm now pumped to play and sad that it'll be a while before I can play it. And thank you so much for having me. I loved talking about my passion for indie RPGs. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. And we'll see you in the next one. Why don't you take a look through our growing catalog of one-shot scenarios to find out about Chronicles of Darkness, Delta Green, Call of Cthulhu, 13th Age, Eclipse Phase, Rogue Trader, Slasher Flick and probably even more.